your weekly Selk Grassroots podcast, brought to you by the Down to Play app. Welcome, and now for this week's edition of All Around the Leagues. So today on the All Around the Leagues podcast, uh, I'm meeting our Rochester and District contributor, Rav, from Grand uh, Grand Sports Club, sorry, a recent name change um, to the club from FC Grand that you may recognise from last season. A slight rebrand this season, uh, two fantastic kits that we'll talk about in a minute because I'm dying to talk about the away kit. Um, Rav, um, does everything for the club by the sounds of it. Uh, previously a manager, he's the club owner, the chairman, the secretary, and I suspect he fills the water bottles on a Saturday afternoon as well. Rav, how you doing? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Yourself? Yeah, good, mate, good. Uh, enjoying these these last um, stretch of interviews. Where these all finish on Monday, um, on Bank Holiday Monday, so it's nice to speak to you. You've been involved with um, the All Around the Leagues podcast. We were just talking there for about it must be nine, ten months since the beginning yeah. of, of last season. One of the sort of yeah. first uh, leagues to get involved with. Um, it was pretty tough to um, find a contact for the Rochester and District on online on Twitter. Anyway, and uh, we spoke, and you uh, you represented the league fantastically well last season. So thank you for thank all your much. hard work. Yeah. Um, I think the league's a bit uh, short on Twitter. Um, Facebook, they're quite active. Okay, I'm not on Facebook myself, so maybe that's me. That's that's not that's not a technology. Uh, that's not good on the technology. Anyway, let's talk about you. Um, let's talk about the club. Um, tell us how it was founded um, and how you how you became involved with the club, um, and bring us right up to date with the history. Yeah, so um, back in 2014, uh, so I work for a healthy living centre in Gravesend called the Grand. Um, and back in 2014, we were the work I do is around health prevention and getting people active. Um, and uh, we were kind of given some money to run a program to try and get men more active in the community. Yep. Um, so with the 2014 World Cup on the horizon, uh, we also used football as a driver, as the main kind of carrot. Um, we got in touch with Epsfleet. So our first session was at the Epsfleet ground on the pitch. Um, and then we used the local... Uh, Club Guru Nanak uh, FC's training facilities and coaches, um, and we had like thirty odd guys come every week. Um, it was literally basic kind of uh, football drills, in-house little training matches, um, and the mix of abilities was there as well. So you had players that hadn't played before, um, and you had players that had played years ago. Yeah, um, just there for a general laugh and that general fitness. Um, after about six or so months, the project kind of continued. Um, and one of the guys who was attending, uh, Mr. Steph Hallett, who's still involved now as well, um, when the weather's fine anyway, when it rains, he's not involved. Um, uh, he approached me and said, oh, we should start a team. We've got enough numbers. Um, let's look into it. Um, he definitely said he didn't want early mornings, so Sunday was out of the question. Yep. Um, and so then that's when we decided to call ourselves FC Grand and join the Rochester District League in uh, 2015. Uh, and that season, uh, we actually started that season with a squad where 80% have probably never played competitive 11 aside before. Fantastic. Um, and that included myself in goal, um, which wasn't pretty and didn't last long. <laughs> but no one wanted a going goal, and even now we struggled to find a keeper. Were you, pu- um, were you pushed out, Rav, or did you sort of think you didn't, I don't want to do this? No, no, to be fair, 
even though it was a nasty one, I ended up getting injured uh. um, and probably saved me having to embarrass myself even more in goal. Um, and that was a kind of an easy way out. I say easy way out. I was on crutches for six months, but oh. it was an easy way out uh, of not having to play in goal and someone have to um, bite the bullet. Um, but as a club, I think we've grown. Um, those first two seasons, a lot of defeats. Um, but And obviously there's been a bit of a squad overhaul. There's still a, three or four of us from that first first ever season and, the, and from the Back to Football project still involved. Um, but those first two seasons are a learning curve. And without them, I think we probably wouldn't be the club we are today. No one, especially when I started the project, didn't think in five, six years I'm going to have um, my own club um, competing for this long anyway. Yeah. Um, and we've progressed as a club um, and become successful as a club. So just and tell us, tell us a, what's, what's the trophy cabinet looking like, Rav? Uh, to be fair, because of that voided season, we've still got the trophy. It's actually sitting uh, in my room at the moment still as well. I'm supposed to drop it off, but then lockdown happened. Um, so we, uh, in 2019, so in our fourth season, uh, we went on and won the Centenary Cup C. Um, and along the way, so the first three rounds, uh, we beat teams from the division above us. Okay. Um, including the semi-final, uh, we beat the eventual Division 4 winners who were undefeated in the league as well. Uh, in the semi-final, beat them 2-0. And then we beat the team that finished second in our league in the final and comprehensively beat them 4-0. Fantastic. Um, and long nights like that continue. It was it was, it was the greatest night in, in our club um, and it is the, the, the only honour we've got at the moment. Um, but I hope to kind of add to that this season. How have you um, how have you dealt with lockdown as a club? Has it affected you? Has it brought you closer? Have, have you managed to cement the group uh, more during this time or do you feel like there was a lot of work to do over pre-season to bring it all back together uh, on a football kind of side of things I think it was a bit rusty when we got back into it um, and that whole kind of um, six per training group wasn't the easiest to kind of manage no. or easy to kind of deal with I don't think the players enjoyed it either because um, it's not the same you don't get that same buzz that no. same kind of atmosphere although they enjoyed the fact that they were allowed out and allowed to play football again um, it still wasn't it wasn't the same but now we're back training as we would be um, and that environment and that that team spirit is back again um, our WhatsApp chat is always off even in the in the lockdown it was it was going off um, with nonsense mainly um, <laughs> we'll get on to that we'll get on to all that business in a minute <laughs> um, but yeah I, th- I, th- I think as a club we coped I think it was a good chance for us to kind of take into fact what a gone wrong than what had gone right last season Yeah, um, because we hadn't kicked on from after the cup with me I think personally we sat on our laurels and and didn't take that cup win as a step in the right direction we kind of thought we've won it we're going to stay at that level uh, instead we where, where we should have actually pushed on um, and so there was a few changes internally I myself stepped away from the manager role um, and one of our defenders who was one of the players of the finals and was actually player of the year last year. Mm-hmm. Cooking. Um, so he's in his 40s. Um, so it was his last season um, and he's kind of taken over roles for me as a manager. Uh, I'm not sure how long uh, he's going to like that role. Um, <laughs> we'll see uh, as the season progresses. Um, but he's experienced. He's played at a high level and he's played Saturday Sunday League football for, for donkey's years as well. 
Um, and again, then he come to us in our second season after watching us when we were awful, um, and he stuck around. So it means a lot to him. It means a lot to us having someone there that knows the team and knows the players. Maybe a silly question, um, because I I know you're passionate about your club, but how proud does it make you feel to see from that sort of initial training sessions of probably running between cones and and doing basic drills to to where you've brought it to today? How how satisfying a job does that does that make? How how satisfying is that for you looking over, looking at that over the last six years? It's it's ridiculous, really, when you think about it. Um, from those early training sessions where players were struggling to kick the ball properly and it was it was very much basic football drills to actual proper coaching, having our own kits and our own little club shop, our own sponsors and it feeling like a club. Um, it's gone from, and obviously from those early days, it was a group of random blokes playing football, which is most clubs, but... Um, I think the, the, a lot of clubs locally and historically have been from a pub or uh, a group of mates that have bounded together, whereas this was literally a group of randoms decided to play football. Um, and it's gone from that to feeling like a family at the end of the day, which um, is the whole point of it, I think. And, and I think it helps uh, with the team spirit, it helps with the bonding, it helps with the progression. Um, and to have all that coming from some of the work I've done and the work that others have been in and around the club have done is amazing. Um, and we just want it to continue and progress even further. Is it important for you to con- to bring that sort of legacy through of, of the actual meaning of the early days to now? Do you think you've, you've managed to retain some sort of elements of, of that feeling of the club or, is, or has, it changed, um, has it changed a lot within your club? Uh, I think the the seriousness and the competitiveness has had to be implemented, um, and there has to be a kind of we, we at the end of the day, no one wants to come to football and, and lose, um, especially in the manner we did in the first couple of seasons. Yeah, so that competitive edge and that kind of taking it a little bit more seriously and and wanting to improve. Um, so that has meant a player turnover. So we there was there was no chance we were going to keep that whole squad from the first season, but that community element and that element of trying to involve and be as diverse as we can um, has remained and that history will always be there and it will always be remembered it will always be kind of documented where we come from and how we started um, and I think it's important that players um, and people that are involved in the club now and in the future understand where we've come from Fantastic Right so aspirationally obviously you've had a big upward curve on on growth and and um professionalism and and all those uh, nice bits but where do you see the club in the next season and and the mid and long term future uh next season i hope to be challenged for the league i think we need to and hence the change in management and changing kind of um on the sideline um we kind of wanted to make an improvement on the pitch because we didn't we didn't show ourselves in the best light last year or in the main lead to the end of the year um, end of the season before lockdown it wasn't wasn't the best run of form um, and so we needed a bit of a change we needed a fresh start fresh, fresh set of eyes maybe yeah um, and hopefully more silverware for next season that is our aim um, we've got a few tough draws in the cup but yeah um, that is the whole point of winning we've got to beat those teams yeah um, and in the future the, so with the name change from FC Grand to Grand Sports Club um, 
the whole idea, obviously, before lockdown was uh, for us to become a multi-sports club. Um, so in our second season, uh, one of our kind of players brought some friends along who played football for us and they'd previously played basketball at a very high standard and still play now. Um, so our idea was to kind of merge their basketball kind of skills because their club had folded um, and bring that under our banner as a grand sports uh, basketball club. Um, and uh, another kind of aspect through the work I do with young people, uh, we were running a session for young, kids aged between 13 and 15 um, uh, with coaches and uh, youth workers like myself. Um, and who, a lot of them didn't have a club. Um, so we were going to, it's that same kind of element of back to football. We were going to kind of give them a club to play for. And again, that would be grand sports at an under 15 kind of age category. Uh, obviously, COVID has kind of paid to that starting yeah. this year. Um, so we hope for that to start next season, both the under 15s in the basketball. Um, and it wasn't just the kind of playing football. So we were looking to get them the, the young people coaching badges as well. So when they're old enough and able to. Uh, pursue coaching as well so we'd, we'd push them onto coaching badges so at least then we have in-house coaches and give them time minutes hours on the training field to develop those skills as well um and the five-year plan is to have kind of a couple of uh youth teams a couple of basketball teams two adult teams uh, and some female teams as well fantastic absolutely fantastic i think people sometimes just see a club turn up on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday morning and to them it may be it's just a club but some people don't really get to know the full story behind clubs like yours that are doing like fantastic things within the community uh, down there in uh, Gravesend and um, they should be celebrated it's not I know you're we're talking about the football club today but as a whole as a whole piece um, you really are doing amazing things uh, down there aren't you? Thank you. Yeah, I think the the good thing, obviously, where I work, and I've worked at the Grand for 13 years now, um, and I think the good links I have with the community and the good links of obviously in the the work we do there kind of opens a few avenues for this kind of stuff to kind of naturally progress as well. So the projects that we do around sports and activity, especially around young people, um, there's an easy access or an easy kind of exit route for them to kind of join us when they age out or when they when they can kind of turn into men's football at the moment obviously yeah. um, so that, that kind of link between men's football and the young people is obviously the the, the kids and youth football um, so it makes sense to kind of make that there and create that so then there is a link from work and that kind of youth club session and that environment so there is an exit route for them or there is a kind of a, a signposting to more kind of progress and more kind of work so they're, they're not kind of forgotten about when they turn a certain age um, so the plan is obviously at the moment that you're playing in the Rochester and District. Does progressing into county football um, is that crossed your mind, or are you happy to to maintain the club um, at the Rochester and District level? It has, but obviously we'd have to, as a club, we'd have to progress um, ourselves um, and climb the leagues. Uh, it's not something in the near future. Maybe in a few years' time, if we've if we've climbed the leagues and sustained and establish ourselves as a as a high prem team it would be something for the future obviously we, if we have two adult teams one of them would be like a development for the kids yep. reserves and the adult team potentially high prem or kcl would be the would be the goal um 
but I think it's, it's uh, we need to walk before we can run still okay that's fair enough I mean these um, we spoke to uh, Lee from uh, Green Street Green Rovers recently who is plan he's at a similar level to you in, in the Seven Oaks and District um, but there's always the five year plan of of ending up somewhere and, and just having that having an aim or having a target to aim for will just improve your club naturally because you, you might not get there in five years you might not get there in ten years but just having a, an action plan to, of progression will mean that will just happen naturally so absolutely respect um, respect where you are. Just a quick just a quick one on the Rochester and District. Um, just tell us about um, the divisional setup, um, how many divisions there are, uh, and the quality down there. How's how's the league um, looking this season? Uh, to be fair, there's been a few um, shunts and up and down in our league. Um, so we've got a, a couple. Of, I think a couple of Premier and a couple of Division One teams that have kind of taken voluntary relegation. Um, so we're Division Three. Um, there's five in total so there's Prem down to Division 4 um, and there's a few teams I think there's like 10 new teams this season but okay. we've lost a few teams so the Constitution I think we've lost a few teams since the Constitution was done as well so I think there's only about 60 odd teams okay that's pretty, it's a good setup. 60 teams yeah. is a great is a great amount of teams for considering I mean you, you're, we're pretty stacked with, um, with leagues in Kent as well aren't we yeah you are and obviously I think when I think when, especially when the Gravesend League disappeared, a lot of those teams either disappeared or merged into KCL, um, and obviously they, they've stayed at that level. Um, whereas obviously some of the other leagues kind of suffered uh, in losing teams, and still, I think we still lost a, a few fair teams. Um, but I think the quality-wise is, is, is decent overall. Um, I think our, our division will be competitive again. Um, looking at some of the pre-season results, there's a few teams out there um, that have done very well in pre-season. Yeah, um, they've actually tested themselves as well, so they haven't been playing teams from like Division Four that they know they're going to beat. Yeah, um, kind of pointless. Um, but they've kind of um, given themselves tough games against Prem teams, against a couple of KCL teams as well. Um, but overall, I think it's a it's a, it's a fairly decent standard, um, and we've had a few kind of. There's a few teams from our league that have kind of gone on to Kent Cup and Kent Junior Cup wins as well. So I think the standard overall is uh, is very good. So you're into you're staying in Division Three next year, are you? Or have you been promoted? Yeah, yeah. I don't think we deserve to or even wanted to ask to be shunted up after our poor league form. So there was no there's no real reason to to be pushed up. Even though this preseason we played all of them are going to be Division Two teams, but. I think Division Three. We we need to win Division Three, or at least finish runners up to deserve to be pushed up. Really. Okay, so let's get on to um, some questions about your um, divisional rivals uh, next season. This could be the one that gets you a bit of heat. So it's up to you um, how you go into these ones. If not you from your division, who do you think will win the league? If not uh, Grand Sports Club, uh, if it's not us. Um, I'd say one of the um, teams that have kind of asked for relegation, or I think they were relegated, is AC United Medway. Um, so we played them uh, a couple of seasons. Maybe the, the season we won the cup, actually, they were in our division. Um, and they've had a decent setup. Um, and then they jumped a couple of divisions. I think they found it tough last year. Um, but they, they're a decent unit. Um, so I can see AFC United Medway. Um, and also Birdhurst Juniors. Um, so we've, again, we've known them for a good couple of seasons they've been in the league um, yeah they were an old name from the Kent County weren't they 
Uh, I think so, yeah. And they've got a decent setup. So they, they play up at um, uh, near Sittingbourne Dogs. Yeah. Um, and they share a facility with Gillingham Town, um, who've obviously got a lot of investment from Brazil, oddly yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've always had good games against them. Uh, and uh, they're one of the teams that have played a few Kent County teams and had a, a good old pre-season. And I think they'll be a... And they're always a, a, a tough game. And I think they'll be a a tough game and a tough battle this season as well. Okay, so in, in your divisional cup, I don't know how quite know how it runs in the Rochester and District, but let's say your divisional cup, um, who do you fancy to win that one, if not you guys? Oh, so we have loads of cups. So, yeah, you have the, the, the Ted Snelling's a bit like the FA Cup, which is open season. You draw anyone you can yep. in the division. Um, the rest all kind of section between um, the division. So... Uh, Let's go with your sectional eight. with your sectional um, cup then. Which the which Div three team, if not you guys, obviously would have the best chance of winning it. To be fair, because the, the divisional cups split with the division four as well, so you've got a couple of teams in division four um, that are stronger than that division. Um, so again, I know you had an interview with Aces, but Aces reserves are meant to be a very good side as well. Okay, um, and uh, another team from. Uh, a couple of seasons back, called Little Shastard. Um So again, they took the they. I think they won the league uh, when we won the cup, um, and they they went up a couple of divisions. And again, they took voluntary uh, relegation. I think they lost a few players, and they're back in Division Four. But I think they'll still be a very strong side, um, a very strong for that division. Um, so if if Aces and Little Shastard are in the cup, um, I'd fancy them. If it's not us, okay, excellent. So. This is the one that get you in trouble. Who do you think will be relegated from Div 3? We've got them at the end of the month. Um, and I'd say this probably will get me in trouble because uh, I'd say Medway Athletic 17. Um, we played them last year and we drew twice and I still don't know how. Because it was literally <laughs> 11 men behind the ball and, and we struggled to get through. So defensively they're right, but the other games they lost... Um, I think they picked up a few points here and there like against us but um, they're one of those annoying sides that just manage to get bodies in the line and bodies in the way and keeper ends up having a blinder as well catching everything and stopping everything so yeah, they're, they're a very frustrating side to play Okay, you're backing them to go down then um, that will get you in trouble most likely yeah, so will, yeah. <laughs> back to last season well that was um, well that was cut short who stands out as the best opposition that you guys played last year? Uh, to be fair, it was um, so we played a team called Mangravat. Yeah. Um, so last year they 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 had two teams last year, um, which then ended up splitting because it was a, a it was a first and a reserves, and they ended up splitting into two separate teams under the similar names. Yeah. Um, and the team in our division, I think, was some of their players that had won Division One last year, um, but they were uh, a unit. We played them three weeks. I think in a in a row, it was kind of very close together. So we played them in the league and they spanked us. And then we played them in two cup games and two court finals, uh, which were very, they had that cup final or cup kind of game feeling. Yeah. Um, and um, they won both of them. Um, one of them went to extra time and we probably should have won that in normal time. But you know, you, you know when it's a battle when mm. it, it, was, it was frustrating, but they were a, a side that knew what they were doing um, and they had again they had players all over the pitch that 
just got about the pitch and picked us off really. Um, but they were probably the footballing wise and quality wise. There was a reason they were top of the league, um, unbeaten when it when it kind of all locked down. Um, but they were very good, and you could see why they were winning games. Cool. Which which game stands out as your favourite one from last year? I've got two to be fair. Okay. Um, one in the cup. Can't remember what cup it was though. Um, but we were away against Tinkle Twaller Eyes. Um, so we'd played them the season before, um, and they had a very good side. They beat us twice the season before, um, and we turned up knowing it was going to be a game. Um, horrible weather, raining, horrible, not great pitch. Um, but we we went two them up and just started popping it about, and uh, I think we ended up winning six one in the end. Brilliant, um, and that was impressive because obviously we'd seen, I, I, some of us had seen what Swallow Eyes were like, and they still had some very good players playing for them. Um, but we turned up, no fear, um, and played them off the pitch. To be fair, um, and the other one is uh, my friend Sam at Greenway Aces. So we played them in pre-season and one two one. Yeah. Um, last year um, and then we ended up drawing them in the cup away and um, uh, we won that one 2-1 um, it was a feisty game not going to lie and to be fair we went in, went in with a, a very depleted squad um, I think I had one sub on the day um, a few injuries uh, a few at work but we went into a, a very makeshift back four um, and just got the job done really bodies on the line Played on the counter. To be fair, I didn't think we, we played quite well. Um, went two and up, two stunning goals as well. Although Sam should probably have saved the free kick, and he knows that. Um, <laughs> and he's reminded of that by his own team as well. Um, um, but uh, two stunning goals, and I think they scored with about two or three minutes to go. Um, then it was all hands on deck, and to be fair, they didn't test the keeper after that. Um, but it was very feisty. It was a very good. It was a it was a proper local derby, and. Uh, and it was good fun, and the banter on Twitter afterwards was great as well. Yeah, there. Are, I mean, since being on the podcast and what, and since you you've been representing uh, the Rochester and District, they've stood out along with yourselves as 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 a, as two clubs that um, do push yourselves on um, social media and get involved with with all the sort of chat and banter that goes on. Um, I, didn't, I didn't receive my commission for Sam's uh, sponsorship gained via the podcast though. I think you'd have to ask him about that. <laughs> I'll be having a word. 10%, I think, Sam, if, when you listen to this. Um, yeah, no, they're a good club. Um, and it's nice to see uh, them getting involved in the whole YouTube thing next season. Um, and I'm sure um, it's a rivalry on the pitch. But after the games, um, I'm, Sam said you were friends. And, and uh, it seems like yeah, there's a lot so of mutual respect. While, so. um, I've known him for a while from his, uh, his, his uh, days at... Uh, uh, um, and him drinking the bat and ball so um, <laughs> so I've known him for a while um, and like I said it, it literally is, is on the pitch is what happens on the pitch and that is it to be fair his his firm did my garden so I can't really complain hopefully they did a good job um, into the teammate section um, this is your this is your time as a as the manager as ex manager ex or current chairman secretary all that stuff to get your own back on the players that probably showed themselves up 
on the WhatsApp group, on your busy WhatsApp group through lockdown and probably continue to do so. So the first question, I'd like, I'd like first name and surname, please, if, if possible, for maximum exposure. Um, mm-hmm. Who's got the worst banter? Oh, to be fair, I think the team's got very good banter. Um, but there's, I think there's, there's a couple, there's the, Yinka Ojini is one of those who uh, likes to bite when he knows he's been goaded. Um, and he doesn't always take it well. But I think, the, to be fair, as a, as a whole, I think this is, we've got some creative people in our group. Um, so last year, um, there was a few mixtapes and disc tapes made. Um, so you can see why the football is no good. Everyone's too busy making music. <laughs> um, and uh, those those were very entertaining. I'm not going to lie, those were very entertaining. Um, um, but as a whole, I think... Everyone is on the same kind of level when they're banter. Yeah. Um, at the moment, uh, there's obviously some new lads coming in now, so we'll have to we'll have to judge them, see how their banter is as well. And obviously, they're on the younger side of things, so we'll see how they they uh, adapt. They've still got to do the initiation as well, so wow. we'll see what the singing's like as well. <laughs> who's got the Who's the worst dressed at Grand Sports Club? <sighs> one of our players. Um, so his name's uh, Jibs. Yeah. Um, and. He does wear his leery shirts, kind of the stuff you see in narcos. Um, but the problem is, everyone everyone may have taken the, the mick, but everyone wears the same shirts now. So I think he was a trendsetter, really. Um, he started off as badly dressed, but everyone's sort of grown to grown to love it. I think so. I think it's, it's that everyone calls it that, that that kind of terrible shirts and the stuff you see on I wouldn't say stag dudes, but on holidays and stuff, those summery flowery shirts. Right. Um, but. He might have. He, he got a bit of stick at the start, but then a few club nights, a few um, kind of Christmas do's and stuff like that. A lot of the players are wearing similar shirts, so I think he started that little trend with within the club. <laughs> well, congratulations on that one. Um, who's the biggest moaner on the pitch? Oh, that would be just There's there's no question about that. He demands the best from everyone and gets very frustrated with the when the simplest things don't go right. Um, and um, he's very, very vocal. Um, if he's on the pitch, you're going to know. And if you've if you've made a mistake, you're going to know. Um, and there's been many a game where we have lost or we haven't done something right. Um, and he's been on the phone as soon as the game's finished while he's driving home. And he has gone into one on the phone to me. Not sure what I'm going to do while I'm on my way home, but yeah, he's, he gets very. He, yeah, at the end of the day, it's passion and. It's a it's it's a it's a it's a game like that where you, you know you're dedicating your time and um, to the club and you want to do the best really. Who's got the worst taste in music? Who who is definitely not touching the the uh, speaker in the changing room? To be fair, we're one of these sides that don't really listen to music in the changing room, which is weird. Every year someone brings a speaker, it lasts for about three games, and then no one puts any music on, and so no one brings a speaker anymore. It's it's really odd. Um, so I don't know if I can even answer that. Um, like, even though you've got a lot of kind of people in the in the group that do sing and do that as a as a kind of side hustle, but it's weird. We don't really have any music. Even in the cup final, we we didn't. We had a massive speaker set there, but no one put any music on. Okay, okay. I, I think some some teams don't. Some teams don't have it. I mean. Some teams need it to get up for a game, but it sounds like you're a pretty uh, motivated team anyway. Um, who's the longest in the shower? 
uh, I have to say, even though he doesn't always come uh, to games, um, uh, even then, to be fair, even at training, uh, Mr. Steph Hallett is always the last out of the change room. I'm not. Even, it's sometimes it's it's 45 minutes after everyone's left. Bloody hell! Um, the cup final. Obviously, there's a bit of tidying up to do in the change room, even the cup final. Um, most of the lads have gone into the bar up at Chatham Town Stadium. Yeah. Um, and I'm waiting to go in the bar, but I'm waiting for Steph to leave the change room. And it was it was a good half hour, 45 minutes after everyone had gone into the bar. Um, so we'd missed about two, three rounds already. Um, <laughs> but even training sessions, training sessions, he will be the last to get ready. Um, and he is, it is all, if, if someone's left in the change room, you know it's Steph. Literally, you know, it's always the last. And sod's law, I'm normally the one who has to take him home, so I've got to wait around. Mm. Well, that's not good for you, so he needs to sort himself out. He needs to get ready quicker, almost Definitely. certainly. So, player's player, this is your this is your time to praise a couple of the lads. Um, who leads by example on and off the pitch for uh, Grand Sports Club? Uh, so, I'd have to say Kane Dillon. Um, so, he's been there since day one. Um and he's been, and he's grown as a person. He's come very young. He's, I think that's 18, 19 when he turned up uh, to the back to football sessions. Um, but he's grown as a person. Um, he ended up being the captain from season two. Um, and he kind of took everything on his own shoulders, his own responsibility. Um, and he has grown uh, into that role, um, even though he hasn't got the armband anymore. Um, he has kind of taken that responsibility of, uh, if I'm not available, he'll chase players. Um, when any of the young people kind of young players come in he'll make sure he'll talk to them get them involved make sure they feel welcome um, and uh, recently he's uh, talking about doing like a, a mentorship uh, at the club as well so that's something we're looking into um, he, so he stands out for one um, and if you're looking for players player um, so the current holder of that is Cookie our manager Okay, um, um, he's someone that come to us in our second season when we were terrible um, so he used to walk his dog near our, our pitches and he obviously saw something and he probably thought well, I can start in this team um, <laughs> and to be fair his, his experience his leadership um, and his qualities um, have kind of imparted on a few he's always there willing to teach a lot of the players um, about the game how to read the game um, and hence why he was the kind of right choice to put on the sidelines as well um, to be fair, off the pitch and on the pitch, he was one of those ones that would get a yellow card. Yeah. Um, um, so not ideal at times. He does like having a, a moment at the ref or opposition. Um, but if you some if you want someone that's going to give you those nine, ten out of ten performances and put his body on the line for you, um, he is the one. Um, and he literally did for three and a half seasons. Quality. Who's the unsung hero? More, I'm thinking more your clubman type person uh, with that question, really. So again, it probably I've got probably two, um, and two of them you mentioned to be fair. Um, so one of them is Kane, just for his um, his work he does off the pitch, um, and helping me out. Because um, as most people know, the club secretary, you end up doing everything. Yeah. Um, so those little things and those things that sometimes do get forgotten or sometimes do get put on the back burners, he'll do. He'll pick up. He'll chase players. He'll find players, um, and he'll he'll talk to players. He'll try and sign players. And on the pitch again, when we're playing against them as well. Um, but he, it's those it's those little things that go unnoticed by players that just turn up at training and match days. 
Um, and it's always good to have someone like that around. Yeah, definitely. Um, another one, even though some people probably won't uh, realise I'm going to well, think I'm going to say this, but it would be Jubs as well, because um, my guy drives at least 40 minutes to an hour to games. Um, he doesn't have to. Leaves his shop, um, comes down to play football, and so you can understand sometimes why he moans. Yeah. Um, my man takes a lot of time out of his day to come play football with us. Yeah. Um, but there's a reason he obviously enjoys it. Mm. Friends in this team. Um, but uh, I think most of the team, when he's not moaning at them, appreciate the the effort he puts in coming to play for us because he's a very good player. Um, and that journey is no joke, especially when you're going to middle of Sittingbourne or other end of Sittingbourne, and it's a good 40 minutes for us in Gravesend. So for him, he lives southeast, so. You're looking at a good hour and yeah. this traffic then. And, but he still puts it in, still comes along, still does 90 minutes uh, and still puts a shift in at a game. That's class. And that's probably testament to you at the environment that you've built at the club as well, to be honest. He'll, he'll probably say, if it wasn't for you and and, the, and what you've done uh, work-wise with the club, um, he wouldn't bother. So obviously there's a I'm, two-way... I'm not sure those would be his words... <laughs> Well, we'll have to try and get him on the podcast uh, to give his side of the story uh, in the future. So, congratulations to um, to your to those nominations. I mean, just to have one in each of those categories is good, um, but you've obviously got multiple players that fill those those titles. So, that's a good place for any club to be in, definitely. Um, on to the next question: What do you think? The Rochester and District, or generally, is being done well to develop and support grassroots football? Uh, well, this season, obviously, they've waived kind of uh, entry fees, obviously, because of the shutdown, and obviously, clubs having difficulty to find some funding and money. Yeah. Um, so they've, they've kind of waived any kind of entry fees, which is good of them, obviously, for existing clubs. I think some new clubs have still had to pay their fees, but yeah. the existing clubs have, have been exempt this season, which is nice of them. And at the end of the day, it keeps the standard of the league there because. I'm sure some clubs were struggling um, uh, for money and struggling to pay the entry fees. Um, and I think that's a, that was a nice touch for them. I think they were one of the first leagues around here to kind of announce that. They announced that quite early on in the lockdown as well. Yeah. Um, which took a lot of pressure off a lot of team shoulders. And I think, again, is the, one of the reasons why you've probably got a decent-sized league in each division, really. Mm. That's, uh, my thought on that, uh, I've just... Something just popped into my head, and I'm not criticising uh, the Kent FA for doing this, but with their, um, they've waived affiliation fees this year, but then they've taken away the county cup. So it seemed a little bit of a strange one that for me, because obviously they've lost some revenue um, with their affiliation fees, but then taken away county cups to, to potentially save some money, but maybe in, in my mind. Um, what were your thoughts on the loss of county cups next season? To be fair, I was gutted. Um, so the, the year we won our Centenary Cup, we were having a, a good cup run in, in the Kent as well. Yeah. Um, and we probably should have gone on further than we did. Um, and so our, our kind of aim this year was to progress in that as well. Um, so when the news come through that, it was quite it was quite annoying and gutting, really. Because um, at the end of the day, it's a, it's, some, it's, a, it's a day out, really. And depending on who you draw, you, like I said, you can draw teams far and wide. Um, when the draws open up, but I can see why they don't. Obviously, they've they've said about fixture backlog and stuff like mm. that, and mainly because I'm I'm guessing because they've opened up the Kent Cup free, 
um, if they've had a higher intake of clubs taking that free offer up, uh, meaning more clubs, meaning more games, and it's kind of obviously looked at. The, they've looked at it and thought they probably can't fit it in. Maybe, maybe. Um, so they've obviously come to a kind of agreement to postpone it for a year. But I think it would have been nice to have it still. Um, and obviously, if, at the end of the day, if, if there is a fixture backlog, there's a fixture backlog. I think there's going to be one, regardless yeah. um, if the Kent Cup was on or not. Um, and it not just COVID related, but weather related. There's mm. pic- like this fixture backlog. So to be fair, I think they probably should have kept them in. I think so too. I think uh, for me, uh, Kent County Cup games as a referee has always been uh, the pinnacle. It's the one. It's the real games you look forward to seeing teams from different leagues. I've refereed, been lucky to referee on a, as an assistant in the FA Cup and 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 uh, competitions like that. Um, but the Kent County Cup is the be all and end all essentially for ninety nine point nine nine percent of clubs playing uh, in in their in their own counties. Um, it's a real shame it's a real shame for next season hopefully missing it out this year means it just comes back stronger in future years let's hope so anyway Uh, what would you like to see improve in grassroots football Uh, I think I think everyone probably agree with me is facilities Um, obviously we use the counter pitch at the moment Um, work is being done at a local kind of football facility local to us Um, where we might be able to move into looks like we might be able to move into with cookies help um, um, but facilities are, are locally around here especially for like evening training uh, for us we struggle um, there's no way really flood it around here um, and then the cost of it is ludicrous like you, I've seen some tweets obviously not in Gravesend but teams further afield where they're paying like £150 an hour yeah um, for floodlit facilities, it's like no, no, no club at this level, at district level, will be. To be fair, even at KCO or county level, should have to pay for that kind of price, and will be able to pay for that price or sustain that kind of price. If you're if you're looking at ten, twenty hours of training in the evenings, yeah, um, up until Christmas or whatever, that's an extortionate amount of it money. So a lot of and, money, and club. That's why that's why clubs end up folding because. A lot of teams want to train but can't, and those who pay for it end up realising that they can't sustain that kind of cost, really. So unless you've got your own private facility, um, there needs to be something done where uh, council or kind of those public kind of places have a facility or have a capacity to where you're able to train. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And I think that just improves the quality of the leagues, it improves the quality of the teams you're playing as well. I agree. I think um, the prices of things at the moment are going to push the the ten pound subs that seem that seems to be the standard to more towards twenty pounds now. Um, you're looking at a pitch costing hundred pound, a referee costing forty pound, um, and you, if you're training for an hour once a week at one hundred and fifty pound, then based on fifteen players, that's twenty quid a time, isn't it? It's it's absolutely yeah. um, it's absolutely ludicrous. It's only going to get worse as well after uh, as, yeah. as a result of lockdown. Um, prices aren't going to come down to help people out. They all need to try and reclaim lost revenue during this during the earlier part of lockdown. Um, it's not going to get any better at all. No, it's not. And look, to be fair, we're we're, um, we're lucky. We've got a, a very good sponsor um, uh, in V's Punjabi Grill who sponsor our kits and pay for our pitch. Um, so that takes a lot of kind of pressure off our shoulders to yeah. fund that um, and. So that's perfect for us. 
Um, and earlier this season, we ended up getting another sponsor who sponsored our training wear um, called Dylan's Networks Limited. Um, and they've helped us get training wear and push on as a club in that direction as well. But training-wise and actual facility-wise, um, at that kind of cost. And again, when I look think locally, I can think of one or two venues that potentially could host us. Um, and even those those fees are scary when you think about them. Mm. It's hard. It's hard. And all we're seeing is people asking on um, social media for sponsors to help. And I just think now's the, a real tough time to be yeah, um, asking companies for money as well. Real tough time. Right, so the open forum section of your interview is your opportunity to say thank you and, and give any shout-outs to anyone that's helped you um, to date with um, Grand Sports Club. Uh, to be fair, I just want to thank my team, really. Um, they've kind of pushed us to where we are um, and all those players that have kind of been and gone um, are the reason we are where we are. Um, I've already mentioned my sponsors again Without their backing for the last few seasons, we probably wouldn't be here either. Um, and as a whole, they've kind of helped us progress into what we are now and hopefully help us progress even further. I wish you all the best. And obviously, you're a, a, a well thought of um, club. Obviously, it's more than just football. I know that I've nicked that from uh, one of our other contributors, but um, it's more than just football with you guys and, and um, you're doing good things. Uh, for lots of young people and adults alike um, I wish you all the best um, thank you again for all of your work on all around the leagues and um, we'll hear you um, shortly as you run through Constitution show I think that'll be next week that'll be up yeah um, I wish you all the best going forward and I thank you again and I'll be looking out for you guys next year all the best mate cool. thank you very much cheers Rav cheers man <laughs> Having trouble tracking who can play and who can't? Download Down to Play before your next match. The first app to purely focus on player availability. Get Down to Play for free in the App Store and Google Play. This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability.